Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, a new session of Parliament begins with the speech from the throne. What we're looking for in this throne speech is some clear indication that Mr. Trudeau is interested in or willing to or open to working with us. Andrew Scheer has a warning for Justin Trudeau and the Liberals. In this minority parliament, we are putting him on notice. We're not going to let them get away with anything. We're not going to let them get away with raising taxes or attacking small business owners. We're not going to let him attack our energy sector with bills like C-69. We're not going to allow him to cripple future generations by massive amounts of new debt. And reaction from federal leaders after Justin Trudeau is caught on camera laughing at Donald Trump. If he did make a mistake or not, and he is the one to give us this explanation, we should do that rapidly before this incident uh, gets a larger spread internationally. It's Thursday, December 5th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Maura Forrest of the National Post. Good morning, Maura. Good morning. So what do we expect from the speech from the throne today? What are the themes you think this new government will touch on? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, this is uh, obviously a minority government, so I think we're going to see a bit of a different tone likely in this throne speech. Um, I think it's going to be very important for this government to uh, demonstrate its commitment to national unity. Of course, there's been a lot of talk of regional divisions and particularly Western alienation over the last several weeks since the election. And I think it's going to be important for the speech to, to demonstrate that the government is taking that seriously and is going to work to uh, you know, recognize and bring together the interests of different regions of the country. Um, and of course, uh, you know, the government has to ensure that it doesn't give the opposition parties, aside from the conservatives, I think, um, too many reasons to vote against this speech, um, given that it is a minority government. Um, so I think national unity will likely be a big theme. I think climate change will probably also uh, feature prominently as you know, the, the, the other um, uh, opposition parties, the Bloc, Québécois, and the NDP, uh, both made climate change a very important part of their uh, election platforms, as did the Green Party, of course. And uh, and so I think there will be um, probably quite a lot of focus there. It's an area where um, the Liberal government can get support from, from those opposition parties. Um, I think likely we will see some reference to uh, to the middle class, certainly, and particularly to the middle ta- class tax cut that the Liberals um, have promised as their first order of business in this new parliament. Uh, again, something that they can probably get a fair amount of consensus on from the other parties. Um, there, I would imagine, be some talk about, uh, about um, Indigenous peoples and um, potentially uh, this issue of, of a gap in, in child welfare care on, for, for First Nations children on reserves, um, though not exactly clear what, uh, what, they, might, uh, what they might say there. Um, I think those are some of the main kind of themes that you might see from the throne speech. But like I said, it's going to be very important for uh, the Liberals not to alienate, particularly the Bloc Québécois and the NDP with this speech. Yeah, and it's interesting to see what uh, the leaders of those parties were saying leading up to the throne speech. At the same time, though, despite the fact that it's a minority parliament, uh, it's not like anybody wants another election anytime soon. So I, I doubt the NDP are going to be, or the Bloc Québécois, are going to be anxious to find reasons to vote against the government right now, right? 
That's right. I mean, the Bloc Québécois has been, the, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, Yves-François Blanchet, has been pretty upfront uh, that he doesn't want to bring this government down right now, that he's looking for reasons to support the government. Um, you know, I think he's all but said he's going to support this term speech. So I think that's likely what we're expecting there. Uh, the NDP under Jagmeet Singh, um, Mr. Singh has been a little bit more... Um, uh, you know, he's, he's he's being a little more hesitant on this. So he's saying he's leaving open the possibility that the NDP could vote against the throne speech. He's saying he needs to see commitments on climate change, on pharmacare, and on Indigenous child welfare in this throne speech. And if the government doesn't uh, pull through on those things, the NDP could vote against the speech. I mean, the NDP is in sort of a, a tricky position where, you know, they obviously don't want to bring down the government. They obviously can't afford to have an election right now. Um, but they also don't want to be seen to just be propping up the government. Um, that doesn't generally serve opposition parties all that well in a minority scenario. So he's trying to walk this line where he's trying to sort of say that the NDP is going to be really pushing the government um, to, to get some of its priorities met. At the same time, the NDP doesn't obviously want an election. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the perspective of Andrew Scheer coming into this throne speech and this session of Parliament. The Conservatives had a caucus meeting yesterday, and uh, he gave a speech in which he talked about holding this government to account as the official opposition. That's their role. But of course, uh, there have been lots of questions about Andrew Scheer recently as well. What did you make of, of the events yesterday and how he positioned himself and, and whether he's going to be able to function as the leader of the opposition effectively? given that there is still a cloud over his own head. Yeah, well, I think Andrew Scheer very much wants to change the channel right now. I mean, over the last few weeks, it's just been sort of this relentless barrage of, of news stories um, coming up with, you know, new uh, conservative folks calling for his head. And uh, I think his speech yesterday to his caucus um, was really meant to try and and, and change the dial um, to, you know, instead of having all the scrutiny on the conservatives and, and, and his own leadership to try and um, change the focus and, and point it towards liberals. You know, he's saying we are going to be a strong opposition. We are going to, we've put this government on notice. We're going to hold them to account um, and, you know, trying to remind his caucus of the ways he believes that the liberals have, have failed Canadians. Um so I think that the test for Andrew Scheer now is going to be, can he can he effectively change the focus? Can he, um, to some extent, unite his caucus uh, and and get them focused on their job as uh, as the opposition as the official opposition, as opposed to focusing on whether or not he can continue on as leader? It's going to be a tall order for him. I mean, there has been so much. Um, there's been so much discussion now of whether he can continue to lead and, uh, you know, and, and even we're getting a few hints of uncertainty within his caucus. Of course, um, Ed Fast this week, it, it was made public that he had declined a position in, uh, in Shear's shadow cabinet, um, suggesting he didn't have his full support. So yeah, I think it's going to be a, a real challenge for Mr. Shear to, to change the focus the way he wants to, but that's certainly, I think, what he was trying to do in that speech yesterday. 
There is another order of business today along with the speech from the throne, and that is the election of the next Speaker of the House of Commons. Uh, And there's a chance it could be the same Speaker as from the last session of Parliament. Jeff Regan is one of the candidates, uh, as we understand it. I think there are five MPs who are still in the running. So what do you expect from that? And just describe how that process will work. Yeah, so uh, so as you say, five candidates, um, two liberals, including Jeff Reagan, the incumbent, uh, two conservatives, and an NDP um, uh, candidate. So this will be the first order of business today. Uh, the candidates will have a chance to address the House of Commons, uh, I think, for five minutes each and make their pitch. Um, and then there will be a secret ballot that's, uh, that's ranked ballot. Um, so we won't actually get to see who voted for whom and, and, and how the ranked ballot worked, whether there were multiple rounds of the ranked ballot, but, um, but uh, that will proceed this morning and, uh, and the speaker will then be announced later on. Um, I think, you know, it's, uh, it, it may well, I suppose, be the incumbent Jeff Reagan who wins again. Of course, the, the, the calculation for the Liberals is that, you know, in a minority scenario, this, uh, if there's a Liberal speaker, that loses them one vote for for most votes um so you know right now they've got uh 13 uh uh they're 13 votes shy of a majority so this would um this would increase that gap uh if there is a liberal speaker um i guess the other interesting thing to note there is that there had been some speculation that elizabeth may the uh, former leader of the green party might run uh, she didn't put her name forward in the end, and there were also some rumors around, uh, swirling around that Jody Wilson-Raybould might put her name forward. She uh, did not either. Um, so, yeah, that'll be the, the, the first order of business today. It's uh, Generally, um, there's a lot of symbolism, a lot of ceremony associated with the, with the Speaker's election, um, but, uh, but that will all wrap up, and then, and then we'll move into the, the throne speech later on. Yeah. All right. The other thing that people have been talking about over the course of the last 24 hours or so was uh, what happened with Justin Trudeau uh, at the NATO summit towards the end when he was at a reception and uh, made some jokes with other world leaders about Donald Trump. Donald Trump has reacted to that, called the prime minister two-faced, also said he was a nice guy. Uh, But um, uh, there was reaction from uh, politicians in Ottawa, critics of the government, uh, saying that this might have an effect on Canada-U.S. relations. So uh, what has Justin Trudeau had to say about that? And and, uh, what do you think about what impact this might have? Yeah, I mean, Justin Trudeau thus far has more or less downplayed the comments. He hasn't apologized for them. He just has sort of said that, uh, you know, he was commenting on the fact that Trump had held an impromptu press conference and that he had uh, unexpectedly announced that the next G7 would take place at Camp David, Um, you know, just was tried to sort of play this as, you know, he was was just making some some off-the-cuff comments and it's no big deal, essentially. I think that in an ordinary setting, this wouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, it doesn't make Justin Trudeau look great to appear to be sort of making fun of another world leader, but I don't think it would really go beyond that. But with President Trump, you just never know. I mean, he's so unpredictable. Uh, it could be that he called him two-faced and that was enough, and now he's moved on to, you know, uh, to other things. It could also be that he, that this sort of, really rankled uh, with him and, and that he might uh, 
find some other way of retaliating. I mean, this is obviously uh, an important moment for Canada-U.S. relations. Uh, in particular, uh, Canada is hoping to see the, the new NAFTA agreement ratified. Uh, and so we certainly wouldn't want anything to, to derail that. But then again, Trump also wants the new NAFTA agreement to be ratified. So who knows whether he will want to... Um, you know, exact his revenge for these comments. But the thing about the current situation is that you just never know with Trump, and that's why it's risky to um, to, to to have something like this surface. Um, I think that, you know, the, the thing... Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, made some interesting comments that actually kind of echoed what Trump said about Trudeau being two-faced, suggesting he's different in public than he is in private. And that, I think, is the image issue that Trudeau needs to be concerned about. I think there have been, you know, various incidents where it has seemed like Trudeau in private is maybe not quite the same guy that he is in public. And um, in terms of perception of the prime minister here at home, I think that's the thing uh, that he maybe needs to worry about a little bit. All right. Maura, great to have your comments on all of this. It's going to be an interesting day full of pomp and ceremony as the next session of Parliament begins. Thank you for your time this morning. Well, thanks for having me. That's Maura Forrest of the National Post. Well, he's too fast. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At globalnews.ca, David Aiken argues Donald Trump will remember Justin Trudeau's snickers and so may Canadian voters. Aiken writes, Even though the Trudeau-Trump relationship might remain unchanged for now, it may make things more difficult for those working on Canada's behalf in Washington. And Trudeau has given Canadian voters yet another reason to think that he is not a serious player on the international stage. In the Toronto Sun, Anthony Fury argues, Justin Trudeau is pushing the U.S. away when we need it the most. Fury writes, What Trudeau said about Trump is pretty weak stuff. As offhanded remarks go, he could have done worse. But as this game was being played, far less serious ones were not. And at least for the time being, will not be. Trump jetted out of town early from the NATO summit after the slight. Maybe it's petty of him to flee like this. Regardless, Trudeau needed him to stay. Canada needs the U.S. at the dance right now because of the issues that matter to us. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin argues, even though it comes from Donald Trump, the two-faced smear cuts Justin Trudeau deeply. Martin writes, Trump's insult aligns with the depiction of Justin Trudeau by many critics as a phony and sympathy for the Prime Minister is mitigated because he did much to bring on the insult himself. Trump has had an up-and-down relationship with Trudeau, and it's very possible they will be on good footing again. But the insult will be one which will be repeated ad nauseum by Trudeau critics, and the Prime Minister has to be careful with any temptation he may have to lash back. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we've been discussing, the first day of Parliament kicks off with the first order of business, choosing a new speaker to preside over the House of Commons. With more on what to watch for, here's CPAC's Martin Stringer. Mark, at this point, there are five candidates in the running for the job of Speaker of the House of Commons. The job comes with generous perks, a very generous salary, a residence in the Gatineau Hills, a luxurious Parliament Hill office, as well as presiding over the massive budget of Parliament. However, the downside is you get to preside over a fractious and sometimes unruly House of Commons. The candidates in the running, four of the five of them have already had experience doing something close to the job. The first is the former Speaker himself, Jeff Regan. The Nova Scotia Liberal MP is running to do the job again. 
The other three candidates have been either deputy or assistant deputy speakers. There's longtime Liberal MP Anthony Rhoda, NDP Northern Ontario MP Carol Hughes, and Conservative MP from Central Ontario uh, Bruce Stanton. The least known candidate is the fifth one, a relatively new MP from Quebec, Liberal MP Joël Godin. The Smart Money is betting on Jeff Regan retaining his former job. It all gets underway at 9 o'clock when the Dean of Parliament, the longest continually sitting MP, in this case Bloc Québécois member Louis Plamondon, calls things to order and asks the candidates for the job to give a five-minute speech to their peers. Then they spend about half an hour getting ready and then it's into voting. Voting will be done by a preferential ballot, so whoever doesn't win on the first ballot will see the results tabulated again, and there'll only be one announcement of a winner. After the House has a new speaker, which could take up to about two hours, it will adjourn until about 2.30, and then they will call on the members to man the minibuses and to go down the road to the new Senate building for the speech for, from the throne. Thanks, Martin. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, December the 5th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the throne speech and more. And primetime politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.